I actually turned my phone up, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna have several people call me during the record. That's okay, Jules. <laughs> right? That's you can just edit that yeah. out, right? That's not I'm that pretty, much. I'm pretty sure I can do that. I can edit <laughs> that out. I'm also I'm gonna play music the whole time in the background. <laughs> Every week I'm gonna come in with a different challenge for you. Hello, it is the 1st of June, 2022. Happy LGBTQIA plus month to everyone. And thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Android Police Podcast. My name is Jules Wong, and with me today are my fellow co-hosts, Ara Wagner. Happy uh, uh, Pride Month to you, my uh, ace. Yes. This ace is very happy that it is Pride Month again and that there is actually some ace merchandise out there for once because a lot of people forget we exist. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention to those who don't know what ace is. Ace is asexual. I do not experience sexual attraction or arousal to anyone. Yeah, I, I uh, made sure to uh, uh, remember that because uh, you, you are, that is a part of your identity and uh, proud of it too, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Indeed. Uh, Will Salzberg is with me as well. I almost mispronounced his name like uh, the other two weeks, but uh, sorry. Hey. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Hey, everyone. How's it going? We get by. Uh, you'll have to forgive him if he sounds a little delirious uh, this week, since he is suffering without air conditioning, and it is uh, just horrible. It's it's horrible. Humid. It's humid here in Buffalo right now, so it's uh, it's it's actively raining. Uh, it, the temperature is cooling down, but I love some rain right now. But also, just growing up and living in the South, I cannot imagine living somewhere without air conditioning, especially given the way that summer temperatures have gone over the last twenty years. When I was looking at houses, it was always a nice thing to see, but you you really do only need central air for four months of the year so it is it is one of those things where it is just hard to to just like it, it is it can't be a must-have because it's like from november to i'm gonna be honest april like that's that's just winter <laughs> that's winter so wait so y'all don't do central heating in addition to central air no i mean i mean like i have forced air so so like getting central air installed air conditioning installed would be easy like the vents are already there they push hot air through the house it's just a matter of paying for it. Well, if warming continues at the rate it is, <laughs> yeah, we well. might as well all be moving to Cleveland. That's the <laughs> truth. Yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, you are up first, Will. Yeah, because, no, uh, that's, that's fine. I, it's, uh, listeners can try to tune in and see if they can hear me start to break a sweat during this. So far, not sweating. Yeah, so I, I think the big story from this week so far is really this this Pixel 7 prototype on eBay, which is... At the very least, the weirdest story of the week, I would say. So basically, Google, for the last like three years now, has tried to get ahead of pixel leaks as best it can by being like, you know what? We're just going to announce it. Like, we're not announcing it yet, but we're announcing it. They did it last year. Ran I remember it was like a random Tuesday or something. And they were just like, yeah, here's some Pixel 6 renders. You know what? You guys have already seen leaks. Here it is, the Pixel 6. We'll talk about it more later this year. They did it even earlier this year with the Pixel 7 at Google I.O. by teasing it, showing us some official renders. And like, in theory, you can't leak a phone that's announced. Well, <laughs> unless you... I mean, they didn't tell us much about they, it. They it didn't just... tell us much about it. Uh, it, it sh you know, it, it sure looks like a, a Pixel 6 with some refinements. 
I will say a Pixel 7 prototype uh, showing up on eBay for sale, that that is a way to leak a phone more than Google <laughs> announcing it. Um, so basically early this week, actually I, late Sunday night, I think someone listed a Pixel 7 prototype on eBay. I think it was like starting at 450 as I was writing about it on Monday morning, like it was going up like 500, 600, $700. And then within an hour after we published it, it was pulled. Uh, it, it sounds like Google came in and got their phone back. But uh, yeah, it was a real Pixel 7 prototype. We got a bunch of images of it. It looks a lot like a Pixel 6. It's got the, the millimeter wave window that was uh, seen. I mean, in we renders. don't see much that is new than what no, we saw it's, with it's the renders. Window really, yeah, it really does look like a, a Pixel Six uh, in almost every way. Especially if you look at it from the front, which we Google has not shown off the front of the Pixel Seven yet, and it's straight up, it's it's the same. It, it's unchanged from the Pixel 6, I would say, if you're just looking at it from the front. So, Well, what needed to change like I, at I, all with this I'm, phone? I'm not mad about this. I, I, I am sure that there are people out there who want to buy a new phone every year. And I, I, I understand that, like, as you know, tech reporters, we are all kind of in a weird boat. But, but I'm sure there are consumers out there who are like, well, hold on. I want something fancy every year. And this is not that. I know some people are mad about the bezels on the Pixel 7 matching the bezels on the Pixel 6. It looks fine to me. Like, I, I don't have an issue with this. I actually like it more than, than curved edges. One thing that I'm kind of a little uh, skeptical about here is the story black color name. I, I, I think that's a fairly un-Google-ish kind of thing going on there. What do you as mean? As opposed to, I, well, what, is that you not know, the, we had the... clearly black or, you know, purplish, you know, very... Um, I don't know. Not not as aggressive. Very very placid names well, going on. And Stormy, Stormy black is... is the is the Pixel Six color. Like that is that is the name of the Pixel Six. I I think oh, the okay. Seven is rumored to have slightly different colored names, but but I don't think they've confirmed them yet. But yeah, Star yes. Stormy Black is is the Pixel Six. Is straight up the six, Pixel Six yeah. name. I mean, for me, all these are just black, gray. Oh, I know. What's the difference yeah, between gray and silver? Well, black for the Pixel line doesn't only mean black. Because, I mean, the Pixel 5a was mostly black, but it was a greenish black, whereas most of the other ones are, like, straight black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> black is black, and, uh, hey, people love it. So, yeah. So, I mean, this isn't the only Pixel leak we've seen in the last, like, week or so. We learned late last week that the Pixel 7 is likely reusing the same displays as the Pixel 6, which would make sense. I Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Pixel 6 displays. I don't see a reason for them to have to completely revolutionize this phone in a year-over-year -year upgrade. Um, maybe I'm, I'm crazy and, and people really want a... a uh, you know, a 1440p display in the in the Pixel 7, uh, the smaller Pixel 7. But I, I have I have a Pixel 6. I don't have a Pixel 6 Pro. The 1080p display in that is is great to me. I, I think it's fine. So I don't know what you guys think. I like the screen on my Pixel 6. I don't think anything really needed to change. And the less that they change in that regard, the less they have to drive the price up. So. I'm happy with them keeping the same screen, exactly. keeping the same design. Please upgrade the cameras and please give the Pixel 6 the telephoto this year because that wide angle is crap. Oh, that's You're not, not going to get the cameras. You're that's, just that's not, not going to get the cameras. I'd rather so. have one camera than to have a wide angle that is that piddly. I mean, come on. I'm a fan of the wide angle, man. Don't, don't, don't put me down. It's so 
it's it's not wide angle. <laughs> like look at it next to the Samsung or any of the other flagship smartphones. That wide angle is not enough. Well, the rumor is that it, it's using yeah. the same camera components as as last year. So the smaller one would have yeah. the, the wide what angle. What was it? One hundred and ten degrees or something like that? It was like I don't even that's... think it's that much. But yeah, no, it's just, it's just not a wide enough angle for me. And granted, I'm somebody who uses the wide angle to show the full like breadth and scale of crowds whenever I'm at the parks or like take pictures of all of Pandora and try and get it all in one shot. And on the Pixel, it's just not worth bothering with the wide angle because it's not enough of a difference to be worth the offset in quality. Well, I get that. I do. But for the point of iterating, like we've had five or six generations of that sunny camera unit that has been recycled over and over again on the main lines and then on the A series. So I think it's still important that the camera department is able to at least keep on the same components for a little bit just to uh, at least improve uh, work on those specific components. And then they can backport uh, any improvements to the Pixel 6 and starting from there going forward. So, But you can't improve the actual range of right. field of view. Like, that's a straight-up hardware thing. You can't fix that in post. No, but I think... Consistency is important. And if you have to rejigger things, because there's always been the challenge of battling barrel distortion and, or at least, well, there's a value of embracing it in the first place too, which, you know, some people might want. But when you want to get to the levels of, say, even, I think the G5 had something like a LG G5 had like a 135 angle, and that was pretty ridiculous. And it was not, right. you know, yeah. great there as well. Or, well, again, it depends on the opinion. But, yeah, there's something in between there, I think. I mean, like, if we're stuck on two, on two lenses and, like, again, nothing is changing on these phones. It's going to be the same wide and ultra-wide lenses. But let's just walk down the, the lane where this would be changing. Like, I would rather have telephoto anyway, like, I, I think. I use telephoto more than I use um, on, on phones that have it more than I use wide angle, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, supply chain going to be supply chain. So, <laughs> Not to get off the Pixel 7, but it, it was not the only Pixel leak this week. The Pixel Watch continues to slowly leak out information about what that thing is because Google is waiting until this fall to, to really dive into it. And it's still not sounding like it's the most impressive wearable i've ever seen there was a, a leak a couple weeks ago actually i guess this was a this is pre-io that it would have a larger battery than the the watch for uh, about 300 milliamps which which is which sounds small but is i think 50. it's a good size for a watch yeah it, it's a decent size for a watch um which made it sound like oh like you know maybe you're looking at day and a half maybe even two days battery life since then, of course, you know we've we've heard about uh, its its potential four year old Exynos chipset, which I think all of us had uh, were looking at like, well, that doesn't sound great for battery uh, because who knows well, how efficient that to is. To be fair, that's the chip that was in the Galaxy Watch Active Two, and that's the only wearable I've ever worn that I could actually get two days of battery life out of. But that's yeah, not going to happen with. The, the, it was also in the in the Watch One and the Watch Three, and were those known for being particularly. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't think of a of a full fledged, not fitness tracker smartwatch that was 
most of them are like just about a day of battery life anyway that's the rumor the rumor is that the the pixel watch is about a day of battery life so yeah um, which is uh you give or take that but i think google has made an effort on the developer side to at least uh you revamp every little bit of that experience at this point they're opening up for expanding the, the developer base which means making things easier and therefore makes things a little bit bloatier. So I'm not sure uh, coming into this that uh, this is necessarily going to lead to even a day's worth. It's probably going to be less as time goes on, but uh, we'll see. It's just a bummer. They're so late here. They're a decade late, to be honest, to this race and, and that they're coming in with like, yeah, it's a pretty standard wearable. It doesn't seem like the hardware is, is anything particularly special. To me, it's a bummer because this, I think, was a space where they could really prove themselves uh, and, and prove what their hardware line can do. And instead, this is really looking like it's going to end up being, you know, we, we haven't actually seen that many rumors about the Galaxy Watch 5 yet. Not not really. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that blows the Pixel Watch out of the water. Yeah, that's a pretty good bet there. Especially since the Galaxy Watch 4 is already the best Android wearable on the market and will likely remain yep. so until after the 5 releases. And depending on the discounts, might remain the best wearable to buy even after the 5 releases. Hmm. Yeah, this is looking... The Pixel Watch looks like it's a solid competitor to the Galaxy Watch 4. The issue is that it, it's it's coming, you know... 15 16 months after the Late. galaxy watch for yeah and it's like okay well this would have been great in january this would have been great in march or april or may and, and we're gonna get it probably in november the sad thing i'm not hearing from either of you is that the pixel watch would be a great competitor to an apple watch and uh i think that's it's, it's not telling. it's that's no. telling uh well it's it, the, no. there is no there we, is no i'm good not gonna make that comparison for no other reason it. than it's a pointless debate nobody with an iphone is going to buy a pixel no. watch I also d yeah and i don't think there is an android wearable that has measured up to it yet and i know i'm sure some people will get mad at me for saying that but i've used an apple watch and it it it's and like Wear OS is not there. It, it, it might, can get you know, there, but it just hasn't happened on, like, yet. It's and a larger platform issue. Uh, it's a larger yeah. platform issue. And if Android phone owners are pairing their Apple watches to their phones, it's going to be a long time before we can see even a hint of that going the other way. So, well, we're going to be able to pair Wear OS 3.1 watches with iPhones. It's a miserable We're never going though. to get. It's it a is. miserable experience. It is. Well, wait, no, because we're talking. You're talking about the old Android Wear. Wear 3.1 should hopefully be a better experience, but we're not going to see that until the Pixel Watch. And even then, the Pixel Watch does not look like it is going to be a competitive enough device to even uh, begin to attract any iPhone owners to purchase it over an Apple Watch. The reason you would buy the no Pic tides are being turned here. Yeah, and the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4, probably uh, 4, and possibly the 5 don't seem to have any interest in adding that particular functionality because they want to lock you into the Samsung ecosystem. They don't want you going to Apple. No, they're they're wide open on the ecosystem. Look, they just added Assistant and it's going great and no one's having issues. <laughs> hey. Oh, it man. only stopped accepting commands for about 20 minutes before I realized that the app had frozen and needed to go reset it in the wa uh, Galaxy Wearable app this morning. I, I mean, like, that's that's what I mean about Wear OS, though. It's like that that's the flagship Wear OS product right now. And, you know, they just put 
what I would consider, you know, Android's flagship voice assistant, sorry, Bixby, on it. And it's it's like the Apple Watch would never, right? Like it, no one on Android has gotten close yet. And and I would like, that's what I wanted out of the Pixel Watch. I was like, finally, this is their chance to like catch up. And it, it's not looking like that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, we'll link the story about the Google Assistant working some uh, Watch 4s uh, to an extent. It's a fun in, one. Uh, the news links there. Uh, in the meantime, speaking of locking things down to ecosystems, I had a piece up this week about uh, carriers. Uh, you'll buy a phone and it's locked to them. They're supposed to be unlocked after, what, 30, 60 days. But mm -hmm. effectively, they're still kind of on the track with the carrier because the OEM has to notch down these uh, carrier agreements and they have specific specs that they have to follow in terms of uh, which network they're dealing with. And therefore, when they pass on uh, software updates, the lock market gets them first. And then carriers, they have to process these software updates and make sure that they work on their networks and thereafter they're able to pass them on to consumers. So Project Treble, all the way back in 2017, that was supposed to expedite things on the OEM side, and it did. But if you're still using a carrier-locked, carrier-tied device, that hasn't really uh, solved things. And, um, you know, we're still looking at, what, compared to the monthly even. I mean, it depends on the brand. You know, like Samsung has been more aggressive lately, and uh, the carriers have tried to keep up with that, but not the case everywhere else you're looking at quarterly maybe even the semi-annual updates especially when it gets later on into a budget phone's life cycle there but my main concern this week was disclosure about those software updates because these sites uh, we have AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, the big three they used to keep more detailed logs Verizon seems to be the only one that keeps those histories up to date these days. AT&T still has uh, pages for older phones where you can see these software updates when they were released, what patch levels and, and version numbers. But AT&T, not so much anymore. It's very, it's, it's very weird because I looked up, okay, Galaxy S21 FE, they don't have any information at all. They don't have any inf uh, page in their device support columns for uh, software updates, whereas the Galaxy S22 series, they lump them together, S22 Plus, Ultra, the whole family, and they only give you a tutorial page about how to access your system updates and whether or not it's up to date. And then I think some of the older ones, like the Note 10 or even Note 20, S20 series, uh, I think that was when they still had the history stuff, but it seems like a recent occurrence that they've dropped the ball on that. And so is the case with T-Mobile. They still have a page up where they're tracking the Android 12 updates and when they're passing those along. And that's pretty cool. I think they're doing a good job in terms of this update is still at the OEM stage for this specific device. And now it's onto our side. We still need to test it. And then, okay, now we're rolling it out. Uh, I, they haven't paid for that, and that's great. But again, history, none of that is happening anymore. And uh, again, Verizon has histories, but what I'm really looking for, I feel, is software updates schedules because we've seen these 
big zero days happen uh, in recent times uh, with Google. And then we also have stuff like Microsoft Teams. If you remember back uh, last year, late last year, when you have these mission critical things like 911 calling, that's broken. Uh, in addition to having the app patched, Android OS had to get itself patched. But the way things go with software updates is that you release the patch in January, the unlocked phone owners get them maybe in the next 30 days or so. When do the people on the carriers with the carrier tied phones get that software updates? How long are you going to leave them hanging for? So there has to be more transparency on that front. Uh, carriers all over Canada and the UK, as well as Australia, provide lists detailing what to expect from future updates and uh, at least a target date. They're not necessarily. Yeah, they're not always right. I mean, stuff like. Fido and I believe Fido's Canada. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, they've literally <laughs> clued us in on when like some of those Pixel Six patches we were waiting for were, were coming out, and they those dates weren't dead on, but they were close enough that we were like, oh, like this is about to come out, and then like a couple days later they would. Mm, yeah, and uh, we I think we've pulled some stuff from Asian carriers too that have had those, but in the research for this story, I wasn't able to find any that from my memory or from my research. But yeah, these things are predictable. These things can be worked on. We asked the big three whether or not they were willing to commit to histories and schedules for the benefit of uh, consumers. Uh, AT&T said that they'll get back to me. But other than that, it's only been a day or so. So we'll see what happens with that. But I would really love to see more information and more accountability. I have to ask. For so much of this, the changelog that the carrier rolls out isn't any different than the one the manufacturer rolls out. No, not necessarily. But... And more importantly, how many non-enthusiasts actually go to the website for the release notes and go back through the histories? Some people might click the link to the release notes whenever the phone actually gets updated. And that gives them the current one and that's what they need. By including a history, that gives you the chance to confuse the consumer. And for most people, I don't think it's going to be useful enough for the carriers to want to try and keep that updated for every single model. Because, again, these carriers are carrying hundreds of different models at any given time between what they currently sell and what they still support on their website and what they still support that they sold in previous years. So I... I kind of think that this is a problem that's more for people like us than people who actually like go into a carrier store or buy a phone and be done with it. If we were going to ask for any kind of disclosure, the disclosure I would want to see is carriers just like have there be like a standard disclaimer whenever you buy a carrier phone, this phone will receive updates slower than the unlocked model. Because that is a security thing that uh, buyers should be aware of. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know how useful this is to anybody who is non-technical yeah but i don't know i i think it's good to have that kind of I mean, more information is not I mean, bad. don't get me wrong i'd love for them to do yeah. it but i'd rather they spend more time actually getting updates done and pushed out quicker rather than dealing with all the documentation if that makes sense it does, i because you know yeah. that they hire that, enough that people takes they hire enough people exactly to, to, yeah. you know have that kind of you know the people updating the site yeah, I, I would bet it's different it's not you know the dev is not you know logging into a, a wordpress account and like changing a form like 
it's I would assume that that whoever's in charge of like managing, for example, like like any of the Canadian carrier stuff is not the the same people working on like behind the scenes, you know, releases. I don't know. It just manufacturers already do detailed comprehensive release notes for all of their phones whenever updates go out. Carriers doing them too feels redundant unless the carriers are actually going to say, "Oh, we updated this first pro- Oh, we updated this bloat app and we got added this bloat app that you're now going to want to uninstall or force uh, or disable. Like, they don't tell us any of those things. They only mention, oh, we did carrier enhancements, which was making sure the fo- uh, any bugs that might have arisen for that particular board don't happen anymore for AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile. Well, when news of a big vulnerability happens, I mean, I think it's important that you do know when the patch is targeted to roll out. And then when it does roll out, okay, do I have the patch? And if not, uh, am I able to receive the patch within the uh, rollout frame that they advertise? You know, usually it's going to be a couple of weeks or maybe up to a month. But why would they advertise that when it's a bug that has to be implemented, tested, network tested, and then roll out? It's better to under-promise and over-deliver than to actually give all these timelines and then not be able to meet them for whatever reason. Like they, I understand like, oh, we should, we should be updating these phones within 30 days of uh, the unlocked models. But why would they admit to being like, oh, it's going to be a noticeable delay between when an unlocked phone gets this update and a carrier phone gets this update. There's no, in, there's no real incentive for them other than, yeah, we should probably be doing this for legal reasons. I mean, there's also the fact that, you know, if you go into the forums, you go into Reddit, and it's like, why haven't they done this yet? Then they're dragging their feet, and I haven't received the OTA, even though it should have already gone out to me yet. Why is this not happening? Like, you know, more information. Yeah, exactly. This is also, it just, it confuses people because it's also a matter of even with the carriers, it's a staged rollout, so... The date on the page might not be the date that your phone gets it. And if people see like, oh, we were supposed to get it today. I don't have it. They could inundate support with questions of why haven't I gotten this yet? And it's, and it's a standard answer. Oh, it's a staged rollout. It hasn't I mean, I've gotten, yet. I've had a phone where it took 31 days and I still hadn't gotten an OTA for a specific security patch. And that just, those things do slip through the cracks. So it's important for that reason as well. Is it more information is better. Uh, and I think the, the with the number of people they employ, I, I think they're in the six digits, AT&T and Verizon each. Um, they well, should but be how much to... of that is retail? I mean, the number of people that are required to staff any one carrier retail location is in the dozens. And web dev so, is, the... you know, a whole tree of uh, staff that you have to deal with and what gets managed here on this page. And then there's also the promotional stuff. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But if you care, and I mean, maybe they just don't care enough. If you care about security updates, you're not buying a carrier locked phone. That's the long and the short of it. We live in an age of bring your own device. If you care about security updates on your phone, you do not buy a carrier locked phone because your phone is not going to be quite as secure. Because it's going to if be you behind. don't care about security updates, but do notice the times when we talk about big vulnerabilities and you're worried about them, then I think you have just as much right to be worried when you are worried and to know the facts. So, hey, 
that's just me. Ara, I know that uh, you have a different opinion, but you also have a different topic. So I think it's worth going I into do. that. I do. We're finally getting some of the Chromebooks that came out uh, that were announced at CES and MWC back in January and February. I have one right now. I do not have the others, sadly. I'm hoping to play with it at some point, but it'll have to be a while. The one that I do have and I am going to be reviewing this week is the Acer Chromebook Spin 513. Now, this was a Chromebook that turned a lot of heads at CES because it has the same 13.5-inch uh, 2K, uh, 3-2 aspect ratio, 2K resolution touchscreen as the Acer Chromebook Spin 713, which is arguably the best Chromebook on the market today. It's slightly lower brightness. Uh, the 713 is 400 nits and the 513 is 360 nits, but it's still wonderfully easy to use outside. I used mine outside all morning on Monday at the Animal Kingdom while I was taking review photos and playing Stardew Valley while I waited for lines to go down for things. It's been a decent laptop and it works well for what it is. It's not super duper powered because it's a MediaTek Campagno 1380. Uh, so it's not some big Ryzen or Intel processor, which is partially a problem because the 513 went on sale on Monday for $615 and I don't know who pays that uh, when the Acer Chromebook Spin 713 is $700 and comes with an Intel i5. If the battery was more efficient, if you could get more than 10, 12 hours on a charge, I would say maybe it would be worth it for that. But it's battery seems, uh, it said lasts up to 11 hours on the box. And I ran it down to 3% yesterday. And yeah, 11 hours is about right. So I don't know how well this Chromebook can compete even against Acer's own lineup, let alone the rest of the market. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good it's a good laptop for what it is. I think the pricing just puts it in a different weight category, and that's unfortunate. It's a really good screen. It's got, you've got a backlit keyboard. They didn't fix the one issue I really wanted to see on this because they still have down-firing speakers. But at least this is a fanless laptop that stays quiet and doesn't get too terribly hot. Um, but it just feels like it, it's, it's another Acer Chromebook this year, year that doesn't seem to know how to compete even within Acer's own lineup. They keep cannibalizing themselves with these, which I'm happy that Acer is putting out a reasonable, uh, a large number of Chromebooks. Acer puts out some of the best Chromebook models on the market, but they also tend to iterate a little bit too often. Because this is the second Chromebook Spin 513 in a year. We've had three Chromebook Spin 514s and two Chromebook 514s. So it's been a... It gets hard to keep up. But then also all of these different models are competing with each other because they're all still on sale at the same time. Well, I think that it's boring to have, you know, your 357 tiers or whatever the heck. And then the sizing, you know, is different. And then you have to update with the new chipsets every year and then you have to be an oem that caters to everything and everyone not just consumers but your partners too and oh my god what have i done i've released 27 chromebooks in the past year and no matter what you just keeps the frame of reference just keeps going and you're still releasing 27 chromebooks within any given time period it's yeah that's i think that's the the running cost for acer right there 
But well, and this I isn't even taking into account the number of value Chromebooks that they put out. This is all just the mid-range, pre- mid-range and premium Chromebooks. Like I'm not messing. I like the three seven. Uh, the three series is in its own little world of uber competitive market. But the five, uh, the five thirteen looked like an a very competitive Chromebook that I think is just priced a little bit too far out of its. Like this is a good laptop to put against, like say the duet uh the $500 duet 5 or the uh even the Lenovo Flex 5i because that is a $450 dollar uh, laptop with an i3 but it doesn't have as good of a screen as the 513 does this this seems so it's, destined for like a really good black friday sale it feels like or a really good prime day sale since we're well what, I, a month, that just feels month and a half out from that i mean maybe but but you think i don't know i, I don't think it is i Granted, Amazon puts everything, well, everything on Amazon goes on sale somewhat cyclically. Um, I'm hoping that starts for this one around Black Friday. That, that um, would be my guess. I, I, I could happen. I, I just, there's, like we were saying, there's so many other Chromebooks that are, you know, even just slightly older than this that I could see them being like, well, let's hold off on discounting this one for a couple months, you know, ahead of yeah. Prime Day. And then, but by Black Friday, I can't imagine this isn't you know, dropping a hundred, well, it only bucks. gets put on sale if it's popular enough to actually drive sales. Like the beauty of the Lenovo flex five and the flex five I is they're the most important. Uh, they're the most popular Chromebooks on Amazon and they sell. So they get put on sale more frequently to sell even more of them. So the ones that tend to get, ign- the ones that don't, don't tend to sell on Amazon don't tend to get sales as often, which is unfortunate. Uh, and so far, Amazon has been the only retailer in the United States that we have seen this one out. But hopefully it should come to more retailers. I'd really love to see this one on Best Buy. So that way it could be offered alongside the 713 and users could pick the pricing tier or Best Buy just tends to knock 100 or $200 off Chromebooks about once a month. So it would be a good place for this laptop to be at. But uh, I'm... I'm still in the process of writing the review and formulating what I really want to feel about it, but it's good. I'm just not sure if it's, I just don't see it being good enough to not justify $85 more to get an 11th gen i5 and the Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbolt 4 ports. Because um, yeah, the 713 will have slightly worse battery life, but the I feel like the majority of users will take that offset for a significantly more powerful laptop so completely random thought but i had my hands on the lenovo tab p11 pro last year i believe yeah and uh, it came completely kitted out and it was running uh i think it was a six series or eight seven series uh qualcomm chip it was not the 7c that they had out but i feel like Chrome OS would have been a better fit for that instead of Android. And, you know, it looks like the Duet 3 should have been what that was last year. At the same time, it's Lenovo's Chrome tablet strategy has been fairly calculated. Uh, and it's clear that they don't want to oversaturate that line the way they do certain others. But yes, I agree. I, I think I too reviewed the P11 Pro sometime last year or whatever its predecessor was. 
And yeah, I was also struck by the, this should be running Chrome. Every time I tried to do anything in productivity. Didn't you have an MSRP of like 600 or something? Yeah. And that's the other problem with it uh, having been Android instead of Chrome. If it, if it had been an Chrome OS tablet and priced that high, it definitely wouldn't have performed because yeah. we've seen that. And that's way too high for a Chrome OS tablet. But that's why we have the OG Duet. We have the uh, Duet 5. And now we have the Duet 3, which is also finally on sale. And hopefully we can get a review up for that in the next month or so. Um, it's because that's the one that I think is going to be. It fixes everything, every problem we have with the original Duet. Except for maybe a little bit of the power, because this one is, instead of it being a 10.1 inch 1080p display, it's an 11 inch 2K display, which matches the, the X2 uh, from HP. Yes. Uh, which I, so I, I, that, I also have, and it that's that's been pretty sweet so far for me. I love my X2. I need to take it to the parks more. It's not super powerful, but it works for what I need it for. Definitely. But the um, the Duet Three is all uh, is an upgrade over the X Two in that it is a Snapdragon Seven C Gen Two rather than a Gen One, um, so it should be slightly more powerful. Of course, that's offset by Lenovo's decision to only have four gigabytes of RAM, and this really should have had eight, because. Yeah. While four gigabytes will probably get you by with Chrome OS for 2022, that's not these devices will get updated yeah. until June 2029. Um, this is something that should have had eight. Yeah, because eight's a minimum. These four days. can get you by in the short term, but if you want this device to actually last, and I imagine most people who are buying Chromebooks buy them because they want them to last, because they're a, they're durable computers that are meant to last a long time. Uh, and yeah, four gigabytes is probably not going to be quite enough on that. But uh, in every other regard, this is looking like a very competent Chrome tablet. And we've already seen it been, uh, we've already seen, seen Lenovo knock it down to less than $300, which is, which is what amazing. the original Duet wow. is selling. Yeah, because even the, the regular Duet is $300 at Best Buy right now. The two-year-old one is still $300 there because it doesn't get sales as often as it used to. I'm not entirely sure how to feel about that pricing, um, but I also know that it's probably a big part of the reason why Best Buy has been discounting the X2 like hotcakes. And given if you buy the X2 that has eight gigabytes of RAM, you're probably better off with the X2 because the RAM is more important than the processor upgrade. And I bought mine for what, sub 300 as well? That was that was crazy. Yeah, it went on sale for three hundred, and then it went on sale for two fifty, and that was more than half off. And if you didn't take advantage of that deal, that is on you. But hopefully, it should come back. Best Buy always runs deal uh, runs counter programming deals on Prime Day, and I'm expecting the Chromebook sales to be decent, considering Best Buy sometimes has better uh, Prime Day Chromebook sales than Amazon itself. So. Stay tuned. Keep your wallets handy. I'll be honest. It's coming. Uh, it, even if I paid just a hundred bucks for the Duet Three, uh, I don't think I would feel good about buying it, considering you know for what it is and what it's specced with. That I, like I'm not going to get as much as much mileage, uh, I think, as I would out of any other uh, Chrome OS product, and that's just it's well. A, I mean, there's there's a gaggle of four gigabyte products out there and the original duet was four gigabytes of yeah, ram 
And it ran fine as a content consumption device. I wouldn't want to do any particularly stressful gaming on it, but that's the pro with that processor, you knew what you were getting. Uh, this one is got a better screen for the content consumption and should have better and has better speakers, which was the other big problem with the original duet. Um, but it's still keeping the price relatively modest. Uh, so as a content consumption Chrome OS tablet that can sometimes double as a emergency laptop if you need to answer uh, answer an email properly while you're out on vacation, or if you need a laptop that you can just use for casual browsing while you're out and away from the house, the Duet 3 should be good for that. It's just not as powerful as its brethren right now. Yeah. Considering I do do, you know, some image editing on my X2, I guess I have to take that out of the equation then. But yeah. Which ones do you, uh, what do you use to edit on your Chromebook, when, on your X2 when you're out and about? Do you use Polar, Pixlr? Pixlr. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love Pixlr. The app or the website? I actually use the website. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's what I do too. Alrighty. Um, there was one final bit of Chrome OS news this week in that it is Prime Month, uh, Pride Month. So <laughs> okay. they gave us some news. Amazon sponsor. Gosh. Next month is Prime Month. I'm sorry. That's Amazon gonna be the July. That's gonna be the monthly holiday for yeah. yeah next that's why month. they pushed it back. Uh, they were like, we can't we can't do Pride and Prime. We gotta we gotta kick this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, my sexuality is half off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Chrome has done backdrops for each of the months for Hispanic uh Heritage Month. It did it for Black History Month. Uh, and this month they gave us about a dozen pride related wallpapers. I'm Hope, I was hoping they were going to give us either something more or give us something a little bit more beautiful. Well, there's there's a handful of uh, uh, we're recording this on, on June 1st, Wednesday, and, and it's there's also a handful of themes uh, that just went up today. So it's not not just yes. the wallpapers. There are there are a bunch of themes as well. Some of them are, are very similar to the, the wallpapers, but not all of them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping to try some of those out. Yeah, those are I... those are up in the Chrome Web Store right now. A couple of them are coming later this month. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they weren't ready, but most of them are up right now. Anything to get me off of my solid color theme that I have used for the last three years. Yeah, wherever you're part uh, on your sleeve or your it's... backdrop or uh, wherever else you uh, want to be able to put it on. Oh, I've got my pride shirt on. It's a well, one of my three. I have the least favorite of my three prime uh, pride month shirts on because the other two are being reserved for when I'm in the parks this weekend. But um, it's the first, so we're just starting to see companies trickle out with their pride month um, initiatives or celebrations and whatnot. So I'm hoping we see more this month than more than just lip service because all of the stuff that Google Chrome came out with this week was cosmetic and there are definitely issues that the LGBTQ community needs Google to tackle in regards to, uh, especially in regards to YouTube. But I'm hopeful that this month can be more productive than past years. I'm, I'm hoping for more change. I'm hoping for more. I think, I think that is a hopeful note, a new hope to leave it on. Uh, well, it's been an ongoing hope, but I don't know. I wanted to tie in some Disney in there. Yeah, I, I, I see you. And yes, I need to go watch the new episode of Kenobi. That too. That too. For people who have been wondering where Daniel Bader is this week because he was supposed to be back from paternity leave, he's actually in this call, but uh, 
Don't make him come on now. Technically. No, no. Well, I was just going to say, you know, he he's he needs a little catching up to do. And he's, you know, so hopefully next week he might be able to come back. But yeah, that's just making sure that we're covering our bases there. He can be reached at uh, Journey Dan on Twitter. Ara is at Ara Weg Co. Yep. And Will Saddleberg is at Will underscore Saddleberg. That's S A W T E L B E R G. Yes. I'm actually on a on a Twitter hiatus right now, and Ooh. it's going uh, great. It's going great. Is that part of your actually, uh, pod called- writing? No, it's literally uh, not to be real, but like uh, the, the school shooting stuff was just too much, and I was like, you know what? That's I think fair. It's time for a break from this website. I can. That that's uh, on, fair. And, I uh, I couldn't take a break, but uh, I couldn't yeah. take a break because today they renewed our flag means death, and so Twitter has just been a mountain of love uh, today for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I I it, it really was just uh, you know let's let's see how long I can get off this site. I I have mostly. Uh, supplemented it with just wasting time on Reddit, oh. so I actually don't know if that's any I healthier mean, or not. I mean, Reddit um, can be healthier. It, uh, it all depends on the yeah, subs it's, you're it's in. It's just my communities. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's just the stuff that I'm in, so it's it's much less toxic, I would say. But yeah, I'll, I'll be back. I have a bunch of stuff to promote this month, so I'm sure I'll, I'll be on in a, a week or so. Well, can't wait to see you back. I'm at Point Jewels, <laughs> yeah. and we're at Android Police. Please reach out to us for any feedback. And uh, NES uh, topic suggestions as well. Podcast at androidpolice.com. Please take some time to enjoy what you love this week and every week. And we'll be back with you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.